Well, good morning. How we doing? Doing good. You guys know the drill. Hold on. Manistee, what's up? How we doing? Man, it is so good to see you guys. I'm glad you're worshiping with us in Manistee. I miss you. Enjoy the beach today. Do all the things that we can do because we live in Manistee and not in Buckley. So <laughs> I love you guys just less than Manistee. That's fair, right? That feels fair. Okay. I didn't mean it, but I kind of meant it. All right. So, hey, we're jumping in. My name's Britton. I'm one of the pastors here, probably Buckley's least favorite and hopefully at least Manistee's third favorite. So I'll take it. You ever feel like you don't belong? You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you don't belong? I know for me, there's a lot of times and a lot of places in my life where I feel like I don't really belong. One of them is in the produce aisle at Meyer. I'm like, just looking around like, what am I doing here? All right, I have no idea what we're going to do. Just grab some stuff. I don't know why Hope doesn't do this part. So you ever feel like you don't belong? Fun runs. I don't belong. It's not me. All right, I ran once. That's it. That's the story. It was a couple weeks ago, I really felt like I didn't belong. So I have a really good friend. He lives down in Oklahoma, and his wife um, surprised both of us, and she flew him up here, and he was coming on some vacation. And so I took vacation as well, and him and I were set out on a goal. Between the time he arrived and the time that he left, we were going to golf as much as humanly possible. Like whatever it took, we didn't care. We were getting after it. And so he shows up and we, we started off the, the first day we, we golfed at Crystal Mountain, which is an awesome course. It's a great place. I um, hope works there. It's really cool. We're golfing at Crystal Mountain. We did two rounds in one day. I was hurting, like icy hot. I should have bought stock. So I'm, so the next day we wake up like, all right, we got to get this, like, we got a big round coming this evening. So this morning we just did a quick nine at the Manistee Country Club, you know, just loosening up, doing the stuff. Then Jordan was on the podcast. So if you haven't seen that episode, uh, check out our podcast. If you had no idea we had a podcast, check out the podcast. So, but he's a really good friend, pastor from down in Oklahoma. We talked about family discipleship. It was awesome. But that evening was like the one. Like this was worth the price of his plane ticket. This was everything. Him and I got invited to golf at the Kingsley Club, all right? So most of you, based off your reaction, have no idea what that is. I didn't either, but I heard it was exciting. So we're going to the Kingsley Club, and you're going down like these dirt roads, all this stuff, and you're like, are they punking us? Like, we're gonna get out here, it's like snipe hunting, we're gonna get out here, and they're gonna beat us up or something. So, but finally, we get down to the thing, and the guy that invited us, like you could tell, he kinda knew already who he was inviting, so he's like, when you guys get here, go past the main entrance, Turn in by the maintenance entrance. You guys park down there, and then we'll figure out how to get you onto the course without anybody noticing. So we, it's an exclusive thing. If you own it and you're here, I will never tell you what employee it was. So, But we, we get on the course. We play nine holes, and it's just awesome. Like this changes of elevation, craziness. I'm losing golf balls left, right, down the middle, behind me if necessary. Like I'm just, but I'm having a great time. And we get to the, we play nine holes, and if you're not familiar with golf, it's 18 holes. The middle is called the turn. So we're making the turn. And at the turn, usually, right, per golf etiquette, you get a snack, which is why I love golfing, because there's a snack in the middle. So, but we make the turn, and we're at the Kingsley Club, and it's nice, and you can tell, like, the guy that's leading us, he's, like, coaching us up. He's like, hey, like, if you see anybody, like, just be nice, like, etiquette, all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I get it. I don't belong here. So, so we're doing this whole thing, and we get to the turn, and we're at the clubhouse. And we're going in, he goes, hey, before you guys come in, you got to tuck your shirts in. And I'm like, what the heck, dude? I don't tuck my shirt in. I didn't even wear a tie at my wedding. I'm not tucking my shirt in. He's like, you got to tuck your shirt in. So we're like, my shirt's too short because I don't wear collared shirts. Most of you know that by now. Like, 
this is what I am. Like, this is the only time during the week I wear buttons. So usually it's stretchy pants. So we're doing the thing and I'm like trying to tuck my shirt in, but it's too short. So I'm just pulling my pants up. Like it's just a mess. And we're trying to get into this clubhouse because all I want is a Coke and a cold Reese's. Like that's all I want. And I'm walking in and my buddy's like, hey, back left. So I'm like tucking in the back left, like getting in. We get in, he's like, take your hat off. Man, take my hat off, fix my, I'm standing here and I'm looking around. I'm like, man, I do not belong here. I finally get up there, got my Coke and my cold Reese's. We walked out. I immediately untucked my shirt, put my hat back on, and started losing golf balls again. (laughs) You ever feel that way at church? Like you just don't fit in? Like you don't belong? Maybe it's because you know stuff about yourself that nobody else knows. Maybe it's because you're thinking, man, if they knew who I was, am I wearing the right thing? Is this the church for me? Will they accept me even though of who I am or where I come from? You ever feel that way? I know I have. I know I have. We're in our This We Believe series, and we're jumping into Article 7, where we're going to talk about the church. But before we get into the whole thing, I want to kind of recap where we've been, because the past two weeks have been amazing. And, And I want to say this out of no means of like trying to like get any favor with my boss, but guys, it is a privilege to sit under the teaching of Pastor John. Two weeks ago, when he preached about the work of Christ, guys, I say this with so much sincerity, that was, if not the, one of the best gospel presentations I have ever heard. And we get to sit here every single week, and the the work that that dude puts in to preach the word the way he does with faithfulness, with clarity, and with conviction it is a privilege to get to sit under that kind of teaching. And he talked about the work of Christ and, and the, the justification that comes by faith alone through Christ alone, that because of his blood shed on the cross and resurrection from the grave, we can have new life. And that he finished the work so that we wouldn't have to. And then he continued the next week, we, we walked through the Holy Spirit and how the work of Christ connects completely to the Holy Spirit and how we're sealed with the Holy Spirit and that we have an advocate and a helper and, and somebody that does life with us and that it's not this like mystic floating thing, but it's God with us, it's God in us. And that the, li- the Christian life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but as I was sitting in Manistee last week, I was getting punched in the face for two services. I'm sitting there and I'm experiencing this conviction and this realization that so much of my Christian life has been built on my ability, my ability to maintain, my ability to get by, my ability to do whatever I need to do. And I needed to be reminded last week that I have an advocate and a helper that wants to do life with me. And if I'm the only one that felt that way, that's okay. Because all of us need a reset sometimes. That's what last week was for me. And then this week, we're jumping into the church, and I want you to see how these have built onto each other. It's because of the work of Christ that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we are united as the body of Christ. So let's jump in. Article 7, the church. We believe that the true church comprises all who have been justified by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. They are united by the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, of which he is the head. The true church is manifest in local churches whose membership should be composed only of believers. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, which visibly and tangibly express the gospel. 
though they are not the means of salvation, when celebrated by the church in genuine faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer. Article 7, the church. So this week as I was studying and thinking through the church and what the church has meant to me and, and everything about the church just kind of came flooding back to my mind and it led me to kind of three questions that I remember asking as I was kind of new in my faith and it was essentially this, these three questions. Who is the church? Why should I go? And what the heck do they do? So first question, who is the church? I love that in the description of the church in the Greek and you guys know me, I don't go here often so please just let me have this moment of knowing a word, all right? So in the Greek, it's ecclesia, which simply means assembly or, I love this, this is so dope, the called out ones. The called out ones. Who is the church? We're the called out ones. If you're sitting here today and you're wondering, am I a part of the church? Here, I'll give it to you plain and simple, cut and dry, black and white. If you have been justified by faith through Christ Jesus alone, you are a part of the church. You belong to the big C church. The church is comprised of believers who have confessed Christ with their mouth, have believed in their hearts that, Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, and have been saved. If that's you today, you are the church. Welcome. You're a part of the problem. Yeah. So quit blaming it on me. All right, no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But that's who the church is. The church is a body of individuals united under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's who the church is. In a local context, we're still a body of individuals united under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're not a body of individuals united by membership under the lordship of John Vermilia. That's not who we are. We're not a church that's united by whatever under the lordship of our board of directors. That's not who we are. We are a church that is united by the Holy Spirit under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our boss He's the main man around here. What he, does, what he says, we just try and do it. And that's, that's the emphasis of this church. But I want to point out something that is important that the EFCA also puts a lot of emphasis on is the value of a church member. And we here at the Tabernacle right now, not being a part of the EFCA, we believe the same way. This is the reason we put an emphasis on membership is we trust the Holy Spirit in the whole church not just in the individuals that are leading it. And so that's why with these big decisions, like will we join the EFCA or not? Or who will we have on our board? Or who will be our pastor? We want the members to vote because we believe that we are a church that is united by the Holy Spirit under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's not just about individuals, that's all of us together. And so if you're a part of this church body, if you've confessed Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you would consider yourself a Christian, and you call this place home, please become a member because we trust the Holy Spirit in you and we would love the help. We would love help making those decisions and, and having that to help guide us. That's the way we, we, we operate as a church and that's why we think it's important. We think it's important that we understand that the church is all of us together that have confessed Christ. If you're here today and maybe you haven't, maybe you're not sure if you believe or not, you're not sure if this Jesus thing is for you, we're glad you're here. You're not uh, less than, but we'd ask that whenever you do, that you jump in. You can be a part of the church today before you leave. You can have a family. But guys, what I don't want this to become is a product we consume. What we can't let the church become is this building that we belong to. What we can't let the church become is this false identity outside of Christ. 
And I think too often in Western culture, we've allowed the church to become this product that we consume. We've allowed it to become this preference that we have rather than this body that we belong to. The local church is so much more than a product that we consume or our little fix that we get on Sundays. It's more than consumption. It's more than consumption. If you're finding yourself stuck in that process of consumption, maybe it's time you contribute. Maybe it's time to jump in, to shake that off. Or you're wondering, what's consumption? I'm glad you asked. You might be a consumer if. You showed up this morning and there was no coffee and your worship service would have been less than. You might be a consumer if. When you co- I said might, all right, calm down. You might be a consumer if when you come in, somebody's in your seat and that ruins your morning. You might be a consumer if as you get in your car some Sundays, you find yourself sitting down looking at the person next to you and saying, you know, I really didn't like the worship today. You might be a consumer if. Now, don't hear me say this. Preferences are okay. Preferences are okay. I have preferences. I prefer the music loud. I like to sit at the back table in Manistee so I can have my Bible in front of me and write. Preferences are okay, but the minute that your preferences get in the way of your ability to worship Christ and to glorify him alone, you've, it's became an idol. And that's a problem. And that's a problem. Preferences are okay, but never worship your preferences. Don't allow your preferences to be what you worship. It's Christ alone. So that's who the church is. We're the called out ones. We're the ones committed to Christ. We're the ones that have been called out of of darkness. We've been called out of hopelessness. We've been called out of death to new life. And because of that, now we have a mission. Now we have an identity. Now we have a family that we belong to. This is not just a product we consume. It's not an event we show up to. It's not something that we put in our Facebook bio. It's not a, it's not, it's not a political party. The church is a body. It's a family that we belong to. That's who the church is. So that comes to the second question that I was wondering. Then why is it important? I remember thinking that as as I was younger and growing up in in Oklahoma, there were more churches than anything you've ever seen. I grew up in a small town like the size of Manistee and like we legit had six Baptist churches. So there's just churches everywhere and nobody gets along and it's just this thing. And there was this, this part of me that was like, this isn't important. This can't be important. If there's this much of it and there's much, this much tension and strife and there's that many people that are living the same way I am, but are busy on Sundays when I'm not busy, this can't be important then. And so that led to to me making the decisions that I made until I got to college. So why is the church important? First and foremost, I I think that as we look at scripture, we'll see in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they're giving answers, and then Peter says, you are the Messiah. Peter nailed it. He got it right. And Jesus says, you're right, and you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And, and I think there's this common misconception within that, 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 that on Peter, Jesus was going to build his church. That it was going to be on the back of Peter. 
But I think as we look at the context and as we dig deeper, we say that Jesus is saying on this rock that I am the son of God, that I am the Messiah, that is where I will build my church. Why is the church important? Because the church was Jesus's idea. This was Jesus's idea from the beginning. This wasn't a bunch of people that got together under a tent in 19, whenever, a long time ago in Buckley. I think Jim Aker was there, but uh, they did the whole thing. And that wasn't it. The church was Jesus's idea. This has been his idea from the beginning. And the best part about all that, guys, is that because this is his idea, because all of this is his, it's built on him and it cannot fail. The church cannot fail. I know some of you are sitting here, well, it's failed me. It's let me down. It's come up short in my life. And that's real. There are some people in this room that are, have experienced real church hurt. But, but I want to speak to that and, and hopefully give you another lens to look at this through. Because I think we do a, a, a very, very poor job of describing that when we call it church hurt. Because let me make something very clear to you. Jesus Christ's church did not hurt you. It was the people within it. And I'm not looking past the fact that, that there are people in this room that at some point in their life have been abused, have been shamed, have been looked down upon, have been outcast. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. But can I tell you that wasn't Jesus' idea? That wasn't his goal. That was sinful men and women that used the church as a platform for abuse. And I'm sorry. But I want to promise you today that there's redemption, that his grace is sufficient, and for every bad church, there's 300 good ones. And if that's happened here, we're sorry, and we would love to talk to you about it. We would love to have a conversation. I'd encourage you that if you've experienced that here and it's hindering your ability to come in and to worship, if it's leading to bitterness, I'd ask that you'd have a conversation with us, that you'd get to, with one of your campus pastors, either here in Buckley or in Manistee, because we would love to be able to sort through that with you. But please understand something as we look at this. Jesus' church isn't what hurt you. It was the sinful people in it. The church was Jesus' idea, and it's a good one. It's a good idea, because he's a good God. So I'm sorry if that's happened to you, and I'm sorry if that's been a reality in your life. That's not fair. And there's nothing I can say to make it better other than the fact that Jesus loves you, and he's glad you're here. It stinks, man. It's hard. But the church is Jesus' idea, and it was built on him. So we can find hope and confidence in the fact that it cannot fail. The church has one reality, and it is victory because of who is the head of it. But that's where we get it twisted. When we build the church on false identities, when we build the church on false foundations, when we build the church on something that it's not, that's where we see these failures that are popping up all over the world around us. But when we build the church on Christ alone, the rock that will not go away, when we allow him to be the head of everything, the one that we submit to as a body of people united by the Holy Spirit under the lordship of Jesus Christ, this cannot fail because it's built on him. It can't fail. Why is the church important? Because Jesus died for his church. 
Jesus died for his church. I love in Ephesians 5, it says that husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, laying down his life for it. I remember as Hope and I were doing marriage counseling, we were meeting with one of the pastors here at the tabernacle and we're sitting down and they're kind of like unpacking all of the roles within marriage and our jobs and our duties and all the things that we're gonna do. And, and this pastor is just laying it on. He's like, Hope, you get to be loved. You get to be cherished. Like you get to be all, he's naming off all this stuff. You share a name with God. Like it's just this awesome. I'm sitting over there, I'm like, man, I'm ready for my turn. This is, this is pretty cool. This is gonna be way easier than I thought it was gonna be. Like, he's doing this whole thing and he, I'm like, Sitting over there, I'm like, all right. So like, well, what about me? He goes, oh, Britain, yeah. You get to die. <laughs> you get to die. Husbands, how you doing with that? Laying down your life. Setting yourself aside for the sake of your bride. Do you love your wife the way Christ loves the church? Sacrificing everything for her? Or does she live to your preferences? Does she do what you say? Because that's true love. That was free. That was free. But we know that the church is important because Jesus died for it, that he gave his life for it, that his sole mission was to bring redemption to it. That's why we know the church is important. How else do we know that the church is important? Because it's going to last forever. It's going to last forever. Your kid's three-point percentage, probably not making it out of 12th grade. Let's just be real, Northern Michigan, all right? Their batting average, your 401K, your retirement. I don't even, that might be the same thing as a 401K, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the church is the only thing that's going to last forever. Are you living like that? Do your priorities resemble that? Does everything you are and everything you do resemble the fact that at the end of all of it, this will be the last thing standing, Christ and his church? Is that the gospel you're preaching to your kids? Is that the gospel you're preaching to your spouse? Is that the gospel you're sharing at work? Is that, yeah, all of this, as good as it might be, at the end of all of this, there will only be one thing left standing, and it's Christ and his church. His church will not fail. It will be victorious. I've read the back of the book. So find hope in that. Find purpose in that. Find identity in that. Stop looking outside of this for the sake of belonging to something. When Jesus is standing here saying, this was my idea all along, will you just say yes? Will you say yes to it? I remember for me, I was 20-something years old, gave my life to Christ. And I, I set up a meeting with this guy because I was like, man, like, I'm cool with that gospel thing that just happened. Like, that gave me the tingle. Like, I'm in, right? You sing the songs, you keep telling me I can be a better person, I'm about it. But going to church, like, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think I need it. And so I set up a meeting with this guy. His name's Trey. I don't know if some of our students in here, you guys might remember Trey. He was our Camp 22 speaker, short little guy. Oh, wait, we have Camp 23 coming up July 24th through the 28th. It's $200. On July 1st, it will go up to $250. Uh, spots are limited. We'd love to see you there. Grades 7 through 12th. And if you'd like to donate a scholarship, we're accepting them. All right? <laughs> but Trey, we're sitting down, we're having coffee. And I remember he's like, so, so why don't you think the church is important? teed that one up. So I just went off. Like, I'm just, well, these people did this. And then this guy did that. And then there was this person that said this, and then this happened. And then they said this. And I just on and on and on. And Trey's just sitting there patiently drinking his coffee, 
He's drinking his coffee. I'm going, I'm going. I'm starting to sweat doing the whole thing. And I get done and he puts his cup of coffee down. And he goes, you know, Britton, I find it interesting that in all your reasons of why you shouldn't go to church, you never considered the fact that Jesus might want you to be there. You're focusing on other people instead of on the reason the church exists. Man, I needed to hear that. I still didn't want to go, (laughs) but I went, but I went. That's why the church is important. Four years ago, I found out why the church is important. I was living in Oklahoma, not sure what was going to be of my life. Didn't really have any direction. I just knew that I loved Jesus and I wanted to do something with that. And I got a call from a guy. You guys might know him. His name's John. (laughs) I was in Sri Lanka at the time. And he said, hey, we'd love for you to come check this out. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to come. But I flew out here. It was February. Horrible decision when trying to hire staff. (laughs) I get here. Matt Stevens takes me fishing on the Manistee River. We cleaned up on Steelhead, so that was a win. Took me to Tracks and Brethren. Ate the best mushroom Swiss burger of my life. But it wasn't any of that. It was a few months later after I'd said yes. And I had 14 hours to think about the decision I'd made. And I'm driving in my car. My dad's in the U-Haul. And the whole time, I'm just, man, I don't think I belong there. Like, look at me. Look at them. Like, I wear Jordans. They wear work boots. My jeans are tight. Theirs aren't. (laughs) If I'm wearing jeans. I just didn't feel like I belonged, guys. I didn't. Just being honest. Until the first time I walked in those doors. Thank you. Because you taught me why the church is important. Because we're a family. We care. We love each other. And sure, we've got our problems, like every good family does. But man, we're in it together. And I've never, I travel all over the country speaking, and I've never seen anything like this. And I'm so blessed to be a part of it. That's why the church is important to me. You guys gave me a family I always wanted. You gave me somewhere to belong to. Man, Steve, thank you. Trust me with your kids. <laughs> Horrible idea. <laughs> For letting me be a part of it, the, the goods and the bads. Sitting at graduations, celebrating kids moving on, sitting in hospital rooms. We're a family, guys, and we're in this together. I'd encourage you, if you're sitting here today and you're wondering why the church is important, I promise it's deeper than you think. It's more than just Sunday mornings. It's more than just coming in and sitting down. This is a community. This is a body. This is a group of people who love God and love people. And you can be one of those people that they love. I have been. I have been. I've never seen so many excited people about a guy getting married to a person they've never met. You guys are awesome. This church is awesome, and I love getting to be a part of it. Man, see, I'm talking to you too. I love this place. And that's why the church is important. Because it's a place that we can live on mission together. It's a place that we can fail and we're allowed to fail. It's a place where we can be vulnerable and authentic and honest. It's a place where we can come as we are 
Or you can preach in a t-shirt and jeans. Heck, I probably could wear stretch pants and none of you would care. Just John. Just kidding. He doesn't care either. He doesn't. Thanks. I love getting to be a part of this. And when I think about us going into new communities and us moving forward, man, I'm not cool. We got a building. Sick. It's T-Ribs, by the way. It's not T-13. I don't care what they say. When you drive there from Buckley and you see the big sign that says ribs, you'll agree, all right? It's easier to see ribs than it is 13th. Isaac, I'm sorry, all right? It's T-Ribs. Are you in here? (laughs) Isaac, what's up, bro? Everybody bombard him. Uh, (laughs) I love it. Manistee, welcome. You guys are used to this. But man, it's not a building. It's exciting. Sure, it's cool. That's another place that gets to experience the love of Christ through the people of God. That's another place that might have an opportunity to have their life changed. That's another place that can be encountered with the acceptance that Christ brings. That's another place that can participate in what Jesus is doing in and through his church. That's why I get excited. That's what fires me up. We're taking more ground. It's the campaign, the great campaign of sabotage. We are taking over the world. One northern Michigan town at a time. And with all the other churches that are a part of it. Why? Because it matters. Because it's important. That's why. And it's a privilege to belong to Christ's church. It is a privilege to call yourself a member of his body. It's not a right. It's not a duty. It's not a discipline. It's a privilege to belong to Christ and his church. So what does the church do? What does the church do? I love in Acts, wherever that is, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. I love this. It's very plain and simple. So those who accepted this message were baptized. What message? The message of the gospel. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Okay, mega church. 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What does the church do? Well, as we look at the statement of faith and as we look at scripture here, we see one of the key things the church does together is we participate in the ordinances or the sacraments. We participate in baptism together. We come together in the month of August here at the tabernacle and we celebrate changed lives. We celebrate that outward confession of an inward commitment. We come together and and through the the symbolicness of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we bring new believers and we celebrate that together. That's something the church does together. One of my favorite things that happens at the tabernacle baptisms is at the end when we say all hearts clear and without fail, there's somebody that says, you know what? No, I need to get baptized. Because of the testimony I just watched in that water. Because of that person saying, I've said yes to Jesus and I want everybody to know it. I want to be a part of the family as well. Another thing we do together as a church family is we take communion or the Lord's Supper, as it says in in the EFCA statement. We come together and we we, we take of the bread because it resembles Christ's body given for us. Not broken. His body didn't break. All right, that's just my own pet peeve. His body was given for us. So we come together and we celebrate that. We drink of the cup and we remember his blood shed on the cross. That because of that sacrifice, we have an opportunity to take part in the gospel with him. To say it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's some things we do as a church, that we gather so we can celebrate those things, so we can fellowship in those things. 
What are the, the simple thing, though, at the end of it all, I love the way it says it here. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. They just did church. They showed up. They spent time in God's word. They spent time in prayer, and they got after it. Simply said, what does the church do? Write this down. This is, I'm proud of this one, all right? This took a minute. Love God. Love people. Make disciples. That's what the church does. That's what we do. We gather on Saturday nights and we gather on Sundays in Manistee and in Buckley and in Cadillac soon. We gather together so that we can love God, so we can worship God, so we can bring glory to his name. Make no mistake about it. Today is about him. It's about him and his sacrifice. It's about him and him giving everything to us. That's why we gather. We come together so we can worship him. It's not about us. We love God in that way. We love people. We care about one another. We come alongside one another. We do life together. We share the gospel with people. Do you ever think that's how you can love your neighbor? That's how you can love that guy at work? That's how you can love your kids? Is by actively preaching the gospel to them, going on the offense, not feeling like you always just need to defend from their opinion, but telling them the truth of who Christ is, that he loves them and that there's new life for them? That's loving people, sharing the gospel, giving an answer for the hope that's in you. Telling your changed life story, that's loving people. Telling them there's something more, that there's life on the other side of their divorce, there's life on the other side of their addiction, there's life on the other side of their pain and their hurt and their trauma. There's life on the other side of that sport. And it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how we love people. We don't keep this message to ourselves. We don't let it be this secret. This isn't some holy huddle, this club where you gotta have the password. This is open invitation. This is the most inclusive thing that could happen in this world today. That's how we love people. We take Christ at his word and we get after it. That's how we love people. The church makes disciples. The church makes disciples. We take what has been entrusted to us and we entrust it to other people. That's why we put such a huge emphasis on fight clubs and tab women. That's why we encourage people to sit around those tables. That's our discipleship making process. Sorry, there's not this crazy program, 12 steps and all the things and now you're a disciple and we'll stamp your forehead. It's just not it. Disciples aren't mass-produced. They're custom-made. And so that's why we encourage you. If you have had a message entrusted to you, if somebody has poured into you, you need to be sitting at a fight club table. Well, I just don't get anything out of it. Maybe you're supposed to be there to give. Maybe it's not about you. That's why we need, we need, oh, we need adults in our church to believe in the next generation more than just a word out of their mouth to say, you know what? I will give them a night of the week to come serve, to be a small group leader, to entrust to them what has been entrusted to me, just like it says in the book of Titus. We need men and women willing to step up, get in the mud pit figuratively and real, or whatever the other, right? Yeah, actually, because there is a mud pit at Foundry. But uh, we need you to do those things. That's a part of making disciples, of saying, I'm going to pass on to the next generation. 86% of Christians give their life to Christ before the age of 18. Guys, let's play the statistics. Let's stop waiting until they're in the nursing home. Let's meet them before they get there. We need men and women at both our campuses. Manistee, I'm talking to you. Buckley, I'm talking to you. We need you. The next generation needs you because you have something they don't and it's experience and wisdom through the Christ that you've been serving for years. 
please don't keep it to yourself. There's a 16-year-old boy out there that's in pain, that's hurting, that has no idea what's next, and he's waiting for an old dude to say, hey, I got you. Follow me as I follow Christ. Could you imagine what our church could look like? We already do it, but let's do it more. We're taking over the world, right? Let's keep going. Manistee, I need women. I need men and women, but specifically I need women that want to serve in Foundry Student Ministries to step up and say, you know what? I'm in. I will pour into the next generation. I'll show up at their sporting events. I'll lead their Bible study. I'll show up to camp. Whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel, I'm in. That's what I need. I need you. The church needs you because that's what making disciples is. At both our campuses, we need people saying, you know what? Tab Kids is important. It's not just babysitting. That's passing on the gospel to the next generation. That's what we need, church. We need people to get fired up about making disciples around fight club tables, around tab women groups, around married, young marrieds, young adults, whatever it is, foundry tab kids. If God is putting something on your heart to get in the game and start serving, don't wait. We need you. We need you. As a pastor of your church, I am pleading with you. If you have a passion for the next generation, please say yes to Jesus. Because what could change out of that? Think about my own story. I think about it all the time. If Les Shear wouldn't have said yes to Jesus, who knows? If Trey Giles wouldn't have said yes to Jesus, who knows? If Reuben Schneider wouldn't have said yes to Jesus, who knows? If John Vermilia wouldn't have said yes to Jesus, who knows? If Paul Epperson wouldn't have said yes to Jesus, who knows? It was faithful men entrusting the next generation what's been entrusted to them. The church is called being a domino. You want to know what the church does? We get on the offense and we get after it. So what was for you? What was for you? Maybe for some of you, you just needed to hear that this is a family and we love you. And we're glad you're here. And you belong. You belong. You don't even have to tuck your shirt in. You belong here. And we're glad you're here. For some of you, you heard that you need to get in the game and partake in becoming a member, taking ownership, so that the Holy Spirit in you can help lead this church in the direction we're trying to go. For some of you, it's taking that step into serving, whatever it is. Or maybe for some of us, it's just the reminder that it's a privilege to call Christ Church home. Not a right. Not a right. Not a duty. Not a discipline. It's a privilege to call this place home because it's built on Christ alone. So if you would, I'd ask that you guys bow your heads. We're going to have our bands come out at both campuses. Just ask. I'm going to leave some room here for the Holy Spirit. If you just take just a second. Just ask Jesus, is there somewhere you're asking me to take a step? For some of us, maybe it's saying yes to him for the first time and for salvation. For some of us, it's taking the step of saying, you know what? I'm going to belong to that family. I'm going to become a member. For some, it's a step of serving. For some, it's just a heart check on why you're here. I don't know. 
I'm not the Holy Spirit. But I ask that if he says something to you, that you'd listen, that you'd respond today, that you'd respond with excitement and with passion, excited to see the world around you changed by Christ through you. Lord, we praise you. God, I thank you for who you are, for what you've done, that you don't ask us to just do what you say, but you, you showed us what it looks like, that you loved, that you served, that you gave, that you sacrificed everything for the sake of your church. Lord, I'm sorry for the times that I shortchanged you in my efforts, in my commitment, in my passion. Lord, will you make me more like you for the sake of other people around me? Lord, thanks for this church. Thank you for the faithful men and women that have said this to you for years and years that have made this church what it is, a church that's built on you alone. It's a privilege to get to be a part of it. God, I ask if there's anybody out there in this room, at our workplace, in our communities, that's hurting, that's lost, that's broken, that's looking for hope, looking for home, that you'd give us eyes to see, that you'd make us bold and give us opportunities to be bold. Lord, we're here, your servants are listening. Yes. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.